This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. The Boston Celtics select Jason Tatum from Duke University. Round of the break for the Celtics. Goes around the world. Oh, the circus game in the Boston. Walker for three. Kemba Walker from downtown. Tatum drives down and throws it down. Wow. Rebound. Gordon Hayward for two. Gordon Hayward with a corner crash. No block out. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. I'm Tom Westerholm, Celtics beat writer for MassLive.com. I'm joined by my co-host, Nicole Yang of the Boston Globe. Nicole, how are you holding up? Um, good, Tom. My television arrived today. I'm very happy for you that you finally have a television. Yes, it was a great addition to the apartment. W- was watching Netflix on your laptop just not good enough, or why did you end up deciding to bite the bullet now? I felt like I was just looking at a small screen for too long, <laughs> like mm. just my phone and my computer. And they were also just like way too close to me. So yeah. I thought maybe if I bought a TV, I could sit like farther away and not just like have blue light constantly just right in front of me. It's a good call. It's a very good call. Um, we are going to talk about a few things today. We're not not too crazy or formal an episode, but we wanted to Wait, cover... Tom, what about your quarantine? Oh, my quarantine is fine. Uh, I am. I'm working on a project that I'm. I'm, I'm trying to. Uh, I'm trying to build something. I know what I'm trying to make it. I don't know if it's going to work or not yet. So I'm not jinxing it by saying I'm building X. Um, so been uh, been working on that, and I've been playing quite a bit of 2K. Uh, we talked about that on a previous pod, but uh, in the interim, I started a my league with several friends, in which uh, Fred Van Vliet is maybe my most dangerous player, and that includes Anthony Davis who is, oh, is wow. good, but he's no Fred Van Vliet. So playing with quick guards who can shoot is very fun. Um, we are, yeah, we're, so we're going to jump around Wait, a little speaking bit. Speaking of 2K, sorry to keep interrupting mm-hmm. you. I no, do, yeah. <laughs> I am always very amused by Gordon Hayward's disdain for 2K. One day I was very bored recently and I was watching one of his Twitch streams and <laughs> somebody in the Twitch stream, there's like a little chat where you can talk to Gordon and he keeps an eye on it. So if you are interested in communicating with him, Twitch seems like a viable option. But anyway, somebody like said like, you should stream 2K. And he was like, I'm not streaming 2K. And he said it with like, just like such a tone of like disgust. Like why the (laughs) fuck would I ever play 2K? Like I hate 2K. It was just fantastic. Two things about that. One, NBA players don't seem to like the new 2K. De'Aaron Fox tweeted something about that. Like I I think that, I, I don't think they like the new 2K very much. Two, I do kind of wonder if Gordo is just like, I mean, this dude is literally around the game 24-7. Sometimes it's nice to just take a little break. 
Like, I, I bet he just kind of sees that, you know, he's he either has to be a dad or he has to, like, be playing basketball or, like, focusing on basketball. You know, if I were him, too, like, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would want to play 2K after a, a long day of practice and watching film and getting coached. Yeah, like, I could, I could see wanting to, uh, I don't know what type of nerd game he plays on Twitch, but whatever, whatever that game is, I, I could see <laughs> wanting plays, to escape with that. Um, have you ever played League of Legends? I have not played League of Legends, no. That is his... It seems streaming game of choice. I think he's trying to get to like platinum or something. <laughs> Me with my Marriott status, Gordon Hayward with his Twitch games. Yeah, that, uh, <laughs> just one, two peas in a pod. Me and Gordon Hayward. All right. So I mean, we're we're gonna talk about we're gonna cover some news. We're gonna talk a little bit about the TD Garden, which has made the reprehensible decision to not pay its, well, to to lay off a lot of its employees, um, especially ushers. So first things first, some good news on the coronavirus front. Marcus Smart is the only player who has tested positive for it. Obviously, you, you like to see that. Smart sounded like he was doing okay um, when he updated everyone. So that's really good. I I don't know about you. I was a little surprised that only one player had it just not because these guys are like going out and being high risk. Like I think they've been, you know, from their just social media updates, it sounds like they've been really uh, smart about just staying home and, and not doing anything crazy. But just we talked about how communal NBA locker rooms are and how easy it would be for this to get passed around. And I mean, it was a little surprising that only one person had it in the Celtics locker room. Like if nobody had it, that would make some sense. If a lot of people had it, that would make some sense. But to only have one is a little strange to me. For sure, especially after you see four Nets players had it, three people in the Sixers organization. Like once you see those types of reports, you think like, oh, if the Celtics have one and they're releasing the results sort of as they come in, maybe there will be more. But yeah, good news on that front. Definitely. So that's that. Uh, the the only other like I guess bit of news that we wanted to talk a little bit about was the uh, the Celtics and NBC Sports Boston announced today that they were going to broadcast a bunch of games in the next couple of weeks here. Just classic Celtics games. As you're listening to this, you will have missed Celtics versus Bucks, which is one of Nicole's favorites, which we can we can get into. But yeah, there's so they they're gonna just kind of a chance to revisit some some really fun games. From the past, all games will begin at 7 on NBC Sports Boston. Nicole, I mentioned the Bucks game, uh, game one from the 2018 NBA playoffs. What are some of the games that you would like to see? So I've been covering the team for two and a half seasons now. This is my third season, second full season, I think. There are two games where I've had like visceral reactions to what was happening on the court and that's game one of the 2018 playoffs between the Celtics and the Bucks when Chris Middleton hit that three-point shot from like 35 feet out with 0.6 seconds maybe on the clock Mm -hmm. maybe even less like that was just insane like people were ready to go like the Celtics ended up winning that game so the result was the same but I remember everyone was like packing up and then he just drills that shot and it's like, oh my God. Crazy, crazy, crazy play. And then the second one is that Rockets-Celtics game, I think from two seasons ago as well. During the regular season, it was like in March and Smart drew those two charges on James Harden in the final minutes. And that was just, I was like physically like shook. Like, oh my (laughs) God, like what is happening? Like, I remember just like being like, why am I like feeling this way right now? Like it was just like (laughs) such a... 
It was such a surreal moment. The garden was so loud and so many offensive plays are remembered, but like for something like that to happen on the defensive end is so rare. So it just like seemed really special. It was it was just so perfectly Marcus Smart. He makes winning plays. He makes two winning plays on the defensive end, you know, in the span of like a, like a minute, like just a and against like one of the best offensive players like of all time. Like yeah. one of the best offensive players of all time. Yeah. Yeah, it was so it was it was just a really it was a phenomenal moment and it, it must be said like, you know, for like as much as like Boston fans, you know, like talk themselves up there is nothing that I have seen in the league more electric than like a huge moment at TD Garden. Like it is really, and I, you know, I've I've been covering this team for basically about the same amount of time as you have. I, I've covered them part time before that, but like, and so I, I have, I'd never got to go see like the Warriors at their absolute peak in Oracle or anything like that. Um, you know, so there's there's definitely like really special atmospheres around, but that moment in the Garden. Everybody like and everybody, you know, loves smart, obviously. And like Celtics fans really don't seem to like Harden very much. So to like <laughs> to see that happen at that point, I mean, it was it was electric in there. Like I was that was one of the loudest moments, even given like all the, like the, the wild moments in the playoffs. I think that was one of the like the loudest moments I've ever experienced watching this team. For sure. And like speaking of crowd volume, I've always been curious about this and have considered sending out a Twitter poll, but since I don't tweet, I've never done it. But I think that the Garden is actually louder for Bruins games. Ooh, interesting. And I've always been curious to hear what a fan thinks, but in my opinion, whenever I cover a playoff Bruins game, it's so much louder. Like, I wear over-the-ear headphones for the entire game because Mm. otherwise I think I would lose my hearing very quickly. Well, here are my thoughts on the Bruins crowds. So... As you can hear, I've, I've got a lot of takes. But for me, the games that I'm, I'd be most excited to see, I mean, I, I loved watching the Isaiah Thomas era. Like, I'm, I know mm-hmm. that's not like a, you know, an outlandish take or anything, but it, it's funny to think about like, okay, the best game from that era is probably the Heat game where he had 29 in the fourth quarter and finished with 52. Like, that one was amazing. The most memorable game I have covered, period, was the game after um, Isaiah's sister passed away. Because, I mean, it was just such a different energy in that building. Like, it wasn't it wasn't like, oh, I hope the Celtics win this game. It wasn't, oh, this is the playoffs, like, this matters so much. It was just like everybody in that building wanted Isaiah Thomas to know how much he was loved. And I just thought that was such a special moment. Um, not to get too sappy on it, but it was. it really was. It felt that way. It was really... Just kind of a it, it was kind of a communal experience I felt like for for a lot of the fans there just to just to be there supporting him. The Celtics ended up losing that game, and you know it just did not matter. It wasn't Celtics versus Bulls. It was fans trying to show Isaiah Thomas how much they appreciate him. Those are the special moments in sports when mm-hmm. they transcend sports. I exactly. Mean, obviously, there's greatness on the court, on the field, or whatever, and people can appreciate that. But in my opinion, that's when I really yes. love my job more, or yeah. when you can sort of get to experience those moments. Yeah, definitely. And I guess the other, I guess, set of games that I, I would go back and I would watch basically anything from that 2018 run. Um, I think the the most entertaining game from that stretch was the confetti game in Philadelphia. Just such an insane game. Tempers were so high. Everybody hated each other by that point. And that was really entertaining. But I also 
I thought that the first two games of the Cleveland series were fascinating because obviously Cleveland ended up figuring it out. But at the time, it was just like the Celtics are a buzzsaw. Like they were just crushing Cleveland and Cleveland really didn't have any answers for them. And I also kind of felt like it was a bit of a preview for what we're seeing now where Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are all stars or, you know, like all star level players. And you sort of got that first little preview of it during that playoff run. And it was sort of capped by those first two games against Cleveland where you were like, oh, my goodness, like I, you know, it was my first year on the beat. I remember after that game, I started looking at hotels in California because I was like, I think I'm going to have to go to Golden State. I'm pretty sure I wrote something that was like, (laughs) the Celtics are going to sweep the Cavs, like definitively. And really, that wasn't a crazy take at the time because Cleveland had nothing for them in those first two games. Like, and it's it's it really is the danger of of like overreacting to like a playoff series. Like I remember last year when the Celtics beat the Bucks in the first game of that series, I was like, I don't know if Milwaukee has any answers for Boston. Like, and obviously Milwaukee had a lot of answers from Boston (laughs) and uh, Kyrie, as it turned out, didn't have any answers from Milwaukee, but you know that, but yes, in those first two games of that Cavaliers series, it felt different. Like it felt like the Cavaliers run was over and it felt like the Celtics were, you know, sort of ascendant at that point. And I think you could make the case that both of those things were still true, even though the Cavaliers ended up winning that series, like the Cavaliers you know, run was pretty much done. That series was sort of their championship. And then they just got rolled by the Warriors. And then, you know, the the Celtics were kind of ascendant. Like, we don't know that they're going to be contenders, but we knew that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum were going to be really good. And that has proven to be true. That's a great pick, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. So on that note, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about something much more uplifting, which is the TD Garden not paying their workers and also laying them off. So we'll be back in a little bit. The Genotime podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on, or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack, all open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use the promo code BLUEWIRE, that's B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Bet online, your online wagering experts. So a couple of days ago, we got what felt like some good news from the TD Garden that they were putting aside $1.5 million for their workers who might miss games. It's... (laughs) I'm not phrasing that very well, and that's not my fault. That is the fault of the very uh, ambiguous press release in which, okay, so there's a $1.5 million fund, and it looks like the workers get it if the last six games of the Bruin season is canceled at TD Garden, and but like it doesn't say no, when so, they're going to get that money. I read you, this statement you fill in, yeah. <laughs> like 15 times to try and figure out what this like conditional if was referring to. Yeah. It was just so difficult to say whether they were talking about how they were setting up a fund to support workers that would be financially burdened if the games were canceled. Like, whether that was just a descriptive thing, whether it's actually influencing when they're going to get the money or how they're going to get the money is, like, so unclear. Yeah. 
I have been like trying to think of the way to phrase this for quite a while. Like, it's just pay your people, man. Like, just pay these people their money. Like, it's not that complicated. You don't need to set up a fund. You don't need to make it conditional on whether or not the games are going to happen. It's just like these people are like workers. Like, they're your workers. You, they do the work that you need them to do. And this is not a situation where they're not coming into work, you know, because they're lazy or they called out. It's nothing like that. It is a... So they're going on strike. Like they're not... Yeah. Right, which I mean, I... out of their control. Know, Yes. And well, now I, I'm opening up a can of worms about unions. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know where, uh, Nicole certainly knows where uh, I would come down for that. But yes, like, this isn't even a complicated situation. This is a pandemic, and they can't come to work because of a pandemic. Don't make your employees homeless because they can't come to work during a pandemic. Like, that's, and you had a, you know, a, a, a great quote from the attorney general. That's not even an exaggeration. Like, don't make your employees homeless because if you take their hours away, they're still going to have to like pay their rent. They're still going to have to pay their, you know, they're still going to have to pay for food. Like it's, it's just, it's really disgusting that, that, that this is where it's come down. I can see how there might be like a disconnect between like a 70 year old billionaire and an hourly worker and how maybe he doesn't understand just how significant it is for these people to not be getting their paychecks. But once you hear that like some of your employees are literally calling the attorney general's like employment hotline for some sort of relief or support because they can't like come up with enough money to pay their bills, pay their rent and are like worried about getting evicted. Once you hear those things and you completely have the means to do something about it, the fact that they continue to just not do anything about it, it's so perplexing to me. I mean, obviously everyone loves money. And I'm sure they want to hang on to their money, but they just have so much of it. Like, it seems like such an easy solution. It is an easy solution. And and again, you and I have talked about this before. It's one thing. It, it's, it's awful when restaurant workers lose their jobs because of something like this, because like maybe a restaurant or, you know, a, an indie bookstore or like whatever it might be, like a business that is actually going to struggle as a result of this situation struggles like that that's that's tough and and you know you kind of feel for everyone but this is not that situation this is a scenario where i mean jeremy jacobs is you know reportedly worth over three billion dollars like it would not be that difficult for him to pay them he is just choosing not to and the reason we know that is you know the is because the 76ers uh on or yesterday they announced that they were going to cut every full-time employee's pay by 20%. And the outcry on Twitter was so strong that they ended up reversing course. So Adrian Wojnarowski reported that other teams were watching the Sixers and seeing the blowback because no billionaire wants to see his net worth trending on Twitter as a result of laying off his employees. And then 10 minutes later, he reported that they were actually going to pay their employees. And a couple minutes after that, he had a full statement from Josh Harris uh, one of the Sixers part owners saying, yeah, we messed this one up. We messed this one up. And I thought it was really telling that fellow Blue Wire podcast uh, haver, Kyle Newbeck, Host? tweeted. No, no, haver. I'm right. Okay. Um, Kyle Newbeck <laughs> tweeted, this actually makes them look worse because they're tacitly admitting, yeah, we could have done this the whole time. We were just choosing not to before. And we made a mistake. Our bad guys. Like, I, it's just just pay them, man. It's not that hard. And what's hilarious or hilarious might not be the right word, but what's <laughs> funny is like all of this happened yesterday. <laughs> it's a good thing you switched from hilarious to funny. 
<laughs> um, all of this happened yesterday on Twitter. They got so much blowback. It was everywhere. And then today, statement from Delaware North. And they basically announced the same exact thing. That their full-time salaried associates are going to receive an indefinite salary reduction. And 68 of them are going to be placed on temporary leave. So yeah. that is, it, it's just incredible that enough online bullying, the good kind of online bullying, yes, <laughs> took yes. place to encourage the Sixers ownership to reverse course, but not enough to like discourage Jeremy Jacobs from doing basically the same thing less than 24 hours later. I think it's a, I honestly like no snark whatsoever. I think it's a credit to 76ers fans that when this happened, they went at the Sixers ownership so hard and so directly. And certainly some of it is the fact that like, I don't know that Jeremy Jacobs is online searching his name on Twitter. Like I have no knowledge I of that whatsoever. I would argue no. I, I, my guess would be no, but I mean, I have, I have absolutely no way of knowing that. But, you know, I think that it's it's pretty clear that Sixers, <laughs> if if, if uh, the Colangelo fiasco is any indicator, uh, the Sixers uh, owners and uh, front office are very online. And, you know, I, I think that they, they certainly saw that and, and were not happy with how they were being portrayed. But, yeah, I mean, I, I do think it's a credit to, to Sixers fans that as soon as that happened, they went so hard at ownership that ownership was like, yeah, all right, fine. Everybody can have their paychecks. Right. And like, who knows? I mean, they've been people have been going after Delaware North and Jeremy Jacobs since this all started, especially since they were the last team to even announce the plan, whatever confusing plan that they did end up announcing, like they were the last team to even come up with any sort of relief. So they really, I think, don't care at all. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, News at news at 11. Uh, Billionaires don't care. The Celtics, though, are in like a tricky spot here. Would you agree? I would agree, yes. They aren't doing anything because they don't own the building, but I also feel like they easily could be doing something. Like now is a time where you don't really think about that stuff. You just help people because it's for the betterment of like mankind. Yeah, and I think too, it's it's like, so I've talked to people in the Celtics who have made it pretty clear that they try really hard not to rattle the cage. With uh, with the TD Garden ownership, I mean, it was such a small thing, but I don't know if you remember when they switched to to theater lighting um, in the in the TD Garden as opposed to you know the the, the former like very bright lighting where you could see all the fans and everything. Mm-hmm. And I, I talked to a, just a couple of people about that, and, and they were they were so careful to be like, we just want to make sure that everybody knows that like we're perfectly happy with it, we like it, you know, we want the TD Garden to know that we like it. Like they they didn't want to you know they didn't want to do anything that would sort of um, you know, mess that up. But at the same time, you know, like, like we just said, public shaming works. Like if you shame people into doing things, like sometimes that's a good thing. And I don't think it's any coincidence that when Joel Embiid ponied up $500,000 and said, I'm going to give this to coronavirus relief, but you know, depending on how much help they need, I will also help pay for, you know, six or staff. Like that's that's a really bad look for the Sixers organization because they're owned by billionaires, but their star player is stepping up and saying, I'll just pay the employees that you guys won't. And like Joel Embiid is not a billionaire. Obviously, he's very well paid, but he's not a billionaire. And I don't want it to get confused that I'm saying that players need to step up and pay like the, the arena employees like. It is not the player's responsibility to do that. And by that same token, technically, it is not the Celtics job to do that. But. 
I do think that if the Celtics organization stepped up and paid some of those people, it might make the TD Garden more likely to do it because it's a bad look for the TD Garden and for the uh, and for its owners. So it is complicated. I get why the Celtics are hesitant to do something like that. But even so, I, I think that at this point, it's more important. It's less important about like sort of the the politics of it and more important just to like make sure that people aren't homeless. Okay, so say they do do something and that pisses off the Jacobs family. Like, what are they going to do? Like, yeah, kick right. them out? Like, right. no, the Celtics bring in so much money for them. And also, if they were mad about it, the rest of the season could easily be played at the Hourback Center because there's probably not going to be fans if there are games. <laughs> yeah, it's so, just... Yeah. And I thought, you know, when, when you and I talked about this a little while ago, I, I thought you had a, a good point, which is that, like, the other thing is these people who are, are getting laid off are, are mostly ushers and... You know, that the ushers are people who are paid to keep people safe. I, I think that's worth mentioning. Like, don't shortchange the people who are there to keep the, you know, the players and the coaches and everybody else safe. Like, I don't, you know, that, that's not their only job as ushers, but it's one of them. And, and that, you know, doesn't seem like something you'd want to mess around with. For sure. And it's just like, how much are these people getting paid? Like, I feel like it's like a fraction. Yeah. I saw on Twitter um, somebody said that they did the calculation of what $1.5 million is to Jeremy Jacobs. And I think it's the equivalent of like $32 to the average person. Yeah, it's really nothing. So I did the math on when when the when the Warriors were saying like, oh, like, you know, don't feel bad for us, feel bad for our, you know, our employees. And my initial reaction was like, you got it, man. I don't feel bad for you guys at all. But <laughs> um but like, I actually did the math on that. And it was like, okay, if you paid every, they said they had, you know, 1500 employees. And, you know, if you paid all of them for 25 hours of work for like two weeks, and that, by the way, is an overestimate, because they probably wouldn't be working 25 hours just on game days. But, um, you know, if you paid them all 25 hours a week at the California minimum wage, it was it was like 1.5 million, it re- like for two weeks, like it really wasn't that much. So that is like a pretty accurate estimate and like you said that's literally nothing to somebody with billions and billions of dollars like i think one of the things that this is you know this has been pointed out a lot on twitter but i do think that it this is very clarifying how people don't understand the difference between a million and a billion dollars a billion dollars is so much freaking money and jeremy jacobs has three of those billion dollars so yeah this is a drop the making sure that these people were taken care of would be a drop in the bucket for him I guess it is important to note Celtics wise that they are taking care of their like part time yes, game day definitely. staff. Like they are taking care of the ball boys. Basically anybody that works just Celtics games, they are being taken care of. So that's good at the very least. You just have to wonder whether at this point they can do something more. For sure. All right, guys, we'll leave it there. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for sticking with us uh, as we talk about arena workers instead of hoops. Uh, Nicole, what are you uh, what are you going to do this weekend? Well, Tom, I've been on TikTok maybe four hours every day, and Taco Fall is like a very active poster. Is he is he the best TikToker, TikToker uh, on the uh, Celtics team? How familiar are you with TikTok? I am as familiar as you would think I would be given my age. Okay. So Jason Tatum's I'm TikTok- I'm 30, for the record. I'm not that old, but like, all right, yeah. Okay. Jason Tatum's TikTok, he po- he's only posted one TikTok. I want him to post more TikToks because the one that he posted is like um like the most popular thing on TikTok are there like there are these dances. 
I don't, this might be going off the rails, but there are these dances that people do. Let's ride this train. (laughs) To like short segments of little songs, but everybody does the same dance, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. And so Tatum actually tried to do one of the dances. Like that's incredible. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) I mean, I I get what, I get that Tatum did a thing. I don't, what, why is that incredible? It's just because, so for example, like most of Taco's TikToks are just like him. He's treating it more like Vine. Okay. Where he's just kind of being funny, which is like, he has also posted good TikToks. He's probably the best one just because he's the most active and they're very well done. But like the best part about Tatum's was that like, he's actually trying to do like a TikTok dance and Mm. it, it was a great effort but like Bronny also did this dance and he executed it so much better is that the dance but, that Bronny and lebron and savannah and all no them? no, no okay. was, he did a different dance i'll send it to you okay. but I, I, so on the edge of my seat waiting for that text <laughs> but what i like about tatum and then romeo langford is also on tiktok what i like about their tiktoks is that they actually try and follow like tiktok dances Mm-hmm. And I, just, I don't know. I think that's commendable. The commendable. <laughs> and Romeo Langford's too. It's just the angle. It's so clear. He's just like has it like on his table, like facing up at him. I think I saw that one because I thought the same thing that I was like, <laughs> like, you know, shout out to the young man for social distancing because there is clearly not another person in that apartment who could hold his phone for him. <laughs> exactly. But so I, I just hope. That they, Romeo and Tatum, keep posting because I enjoy their TikToks very much. Taco is very active, but I enjoy, I think I enjoy the other two more. Uh, on TikTok, do you have like a username? Is that a thing? Because yes. tacos should be TikToko. <laughs> Unfortunately, tacos is just like his Twitter handle. Um, Romeo, too, I love Romeo. How on We're just going to bypass TikTok, huh? That was, that was, all right. Anyway, continue. On Twitter, Romeo, I think is yeah, yeah, 22. Mm-hmm. I want to say on Instagram, he's like, yep, yep, 22. <laughs> or maybe his shed is yep, yep, 22. <laughs> and then his TikTok is, yep, yep. is yeah, 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 like Y-A-Y-A-Y-A, 22. So like all of his social media handles are just different variations of like, yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yeah, yeah. Like, I, that just amuses me. That's pretty good. That's, um, yep. And then Tatum's is Big Deuce Zero, which I love. Okay. Okay, yeah, that's pretty good. But, so you should download TikTok. I simply will not, but I appreciate the recommendation. Uh, we'll leave it there. Nicole, thank you. Everybody listening, thank you. Give us a rating if you feel like it. Uh, you can leave us a little review on Apple. That would really help. But we appreciate you guys, and we will be back on Monday. We'll talk to you soon. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. reported three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.